We're going to continue through Second Peter this morning. Uh, so, First uh, Peter, First Peter chapter two. So, if you want to get your Bibles and turn to First Peter chapter two, we're going to be reading verses uh, one through eleven. So, uh, oh, redoing some of the stuff or, or, or hitting hitting some of the points that Aaron made last week, and then moving on as well. I'm calling the um, I'm calling the sermon uh, "Changing the Way People See Christ, Christians, and Church." Um, and the reason I'm doing that is because from the very beginning, that's been our vision as um, Church Project Greeley, is that we want to change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church by being biblical, by being uh, simple, and by being relevant. And I, I'm just so excited because that's what Peter talks about. Peter tells us how to. I think um, often in our Western mindset and, and the way that we've been raised and, and taught and our minds have been trained, we think changing the way people see Christ, Christians, and church is um, is changing the way you do church or the functions or the programs or the or the ordering of things or the building or or all of that. But um, but the point here, and, and, and in a few weeks when when I'm going to um, preach again uh, in chapter three, is before anything else can change, um, we've got to change internally. And I think that there's some basic things that, that we've got to change within ourselves, within our union with Christ, and with each other. Um, if we're truly going to do what we say we're going to do and change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church. Um, so let's start by reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and reading through verse 11. Remembering that as we read, we're reading from um, God's inerrant word and um, our only rule for faith and lifestyle. Uh, Let's read God's word. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, and every kind of every kind, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble. And a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, 
I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Let's pray. Father, I just come this morning. A lot of words, a lot of meaning. I pray, Father, that we would not see these as things to know in an intellectual capacity, but we would see these words as living words breathed out from the very breath of God and breathed into our souls. Words that are meant for transformation, that are meant for change. Father, our hearts long to be a church, a body, believers in this place that you have brought us, in this place that you have placed us here in Greeley, Colorado, that we indeed would change the way people see you. That they will see you in your fullness, in your glory, in your love, in your grace, in your mercy, in your holiness. That we will see the way people see Christians. That they will see us as a people who long after you, who strive for justice, who love to be displayers and givers of grace and mercy, who love you deeply and you are so in union with you that we are transformed by you and that it is visible by the very countenance upon our face, by our conversations, by our spirits. And Father, we pray that we would change the way people see church, not necessarily even in the way we do it, but at the core, in who we are. That we see ourselves not as a religion, not as a place that we come once a week, but we see ourselves as the very stones of the temple of God coming together, living body, living out the truths of your word. We pray these things in the name of the only one who can give us true understanding and transformation by the words that we have prayed and read. Jesus, the Christ, the living Son of God. Amen. I um, was watching a uh, television show um, yesterday. And in the show, there's a uh, family, uh, an American family, and uh, and uh, the mom and dad have split, but they're still trying to raise the kids together, so they have these conversations about what's going on. And the mother's really concerned about their teenage daughter who's in high school. And she wants the dad to come and to talk to the daughter and to go to school and to meet with the school officials because... Their daughter has become a born again. And she's worried about this weird thing. And it's completely foreign to them. All that they know about this born again thing is what they've seen in the papers. What they've watched on the television news. What they've seen in modern media. And so their immediate impression, their immediate thinking is their daughter has become part of this angry group 
that stands on corners with signs that say God hates people. We are living in a culture and in a time where that is becoming increasingly, increasingly the idea, the impression of who we are. We are seen as a people immediately it jumps to the conclusion that we are a people who hate, that we are a people who are on the fringes, that we are a people who are odd. So, what do we do about that? Well, our call, our longing, the reason that Edith and I packed two U-Hauls and drove 1,700 miles, the reason that three families packed their cars and drove over Monarch Pass out of Gunnison, Colorado, the reason that you guys have been drawn here that are in Greeley is because we truly want to change the way people see Jesus, the way people see Christians, and the way people see his body, his church. And when you read through the Bible, there are certain passages that are difficult. And this passage is not an easy passage. I mean, we have priests and sacrifices and construction material. There's a lot of symbolism in this passage. But I believe at the core of this passage, if you read it within its context and within Peter's larger letter, at the core of this passage, there are some plain and straightforward advice for us as Church Project Greeley and how to change the way people see Christ, the way people see Christians, and the way people see the church. Um, He's challenging Christians to be different to be a different type of people to be a different type of people not just from the impressions that our culture may have of the church but to be a different type of people from even what the culture thinks is good to be a different type of people from what the impressions that we may have of what it means he's challenging us to go deeper to look fuller um First Peter, and particularly this passage, helps us see how to do that, I believe. Peter uses the term in this passage, and it's translated in the King James Version that I like, as a peculiar people. He says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. In other translations, it says God's own people. You are God's own people. Or it says that you're God's own possession. Um, In other words, we're to be different. Um, We're to be salt. We are to stand out. But we're not to stand out in the negative, stereotypical way that our culture may have. We're to stand out in a positive way. Later in the passage, he talks about us being ambassadors. And we're, we're... we're called to, to um, stand out as ambassadors and to be ambassadors. So, the first thing I think he tells us, um, and we're going to go back actually to First Peter 1, 24 and 25, is, for a second just to look at the context. But I believe the way that we change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church, the way that we are different, the way we stand out, first and foremost, is that we are a people of the word. 
The first thing we have on our webpage is that we are um, Church Project Greeley, and, and there's a word right under that. And the first word, there's three words, and what's the first one? Biblical. We are to be biblical. Um, Peter ends the chapter in, in, in chapter 1. If you look back at chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, he says, um, he says, For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Um, these words are taken out of the book of Isaiah. But when Isaiah speaks, he means it for all the word of the Lord in the Old Testament. And now Peter comes in the New Testament and he reiterates them. He brings them back. So what Peter is saying, Peter is saying that this right here, that the grass withers, things fade, people come in and out of your life, things things come in and out of your life, jobs come in and out of your life, even family members come in and out of your life. But there's one thing in this world, one thing that stands for eternity. There's one thing that stands forever, and that's the Word of God. Um, uh, Dave, Dave, Dave may know, and Edith may know, you ever heard of the singer Dion? Ever heard the song, Stay Away From Runaround Sue? Stay away from a runaround Sue. Well, anyway, he was a singer in the 60s. That was before I was born, too, but he was really big. But he became, he became a believer uh, in, the, in the 1980s. And he wrote a song called I Put Away My Idols. And I love, at the very end of the song, right when the song's fading out, you see him yell out, Cadillacs end up in the junkyard. I put away my idols. And you know, we live in a culture. One of the ways that we can stand in direct um, contradiction to the culture we live in. We live in a culture where everything is we're made to believe is a necessity and we need it. Men are made to believe that if you don't provide all types of stuff for your family then you're not a good father. You're not a good provider. But I want to tell you after 25 years in ministry, after most of that in youth ministry I've never met a teenager who would give away that cabin on the lake, that boat, that, that jet ski, or whatever, for a quality relationship with their father who's never home because he's always working, trying to order that stuff. One of the ways that we can be different is we can stand in opposition to this materialistic society that we live in that keeps us running a rat race around and around believing that we we need all this stuff when scripture says that we need a relationship with God a body of Christ to grow in and the word of God that stands for eternity Cadillacs end up in the junkyard and so if we want to change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church, one of the first things we can do is put away our idols. And we've all got them, don't we? We've all got them. We can put away our idols and we can concentrate on what stands for eternity, what stands forever, and that's the Word of God. Um, Peter also says in verse 2, he says, Like newborn babes long for pure milk of the Word, 
that by it you may grow up in respect to your salvation. Um, the translations um, is translated long for crave, desire. So the next way that we can change the way people see Christ, Christians, and the church is that we long for, we hunger, we crave the Word of God. We crave to know God more deeply. We crave to know things. If we're going to call ourselves biblical as a church and as a people and as a body, we've decided that's one of the ways we're going to change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church. We've got to grow and hunger for depth in our relationship with God through His Word. And in a few minutes, I'm going to share some of the ways that Aaron and I have been talking about. We're going to provide some tools so we can do that. But we need to hunger for His Word. One of the ways that Christians are viewed in much of the culture today is as ignorant. Um, We're viewed as ignorant and we're viewed almost as a joke because most Christians cannot clearly and intelligently articulate their faith or defend it. Um, When these social issues come up, the reason so often Christians resort to anger and frustration is because they can't support their position intellectually or biblically, so they just get emotionally and they just get emotional and angry. And they start yelling or they start getting frustrated. When if we were a people of the word, if we craved it, if we hungered for it, if we were in it, if we were in union with Christ, which we're going to get to in a moment more deeply, um, and that, that in conjunction with our hunger for the Word grew us, we would be able to do that. We would be able to sit with somebody we disagree with and in grace and in mercy stand on the Word of God in a, in a, in a Christ-like, firm, but loving and gracious way. So, um, the first way is we've got to lay away, uh, put away our idols. Secondly, We've got to crave it. We've got to long it. Pray for a longing for His Word. Ask the Holy Spirit to stir up in you a depth, a hunger, a craving more for His Word. Charles Spurgeon said that nobody ever outgrows Scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. What amazes me about Scripture is, is it's alive. It's different. It is different. There's a spirituality to, to, the, to, to Scripture. It's not just something you study for an intellectual knowledge. It gets inside you and changes you. And you can look at this passage and um, Aaron and I could preach on this passage for months and have different sermons every Sunday because it, 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 it's alive. It's alive and so deep with meaning. All of God's Word is. Um, James McCosh uh, says, the, the book to read is not the one that thinks for you, but the one that makes you think. No Bible in the no book in the world does that better than the Bible. Um, so, ask God to reveal new things to you when you read the Bible. Psalms one nineteen uh, eleven says, "Thy word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you." Um, the more you're in the Word, the easier it's going to be to defeat sin. Scripture says that. The more you're in the Word, and by, by in the Word, I mean in love with it, eating it, breathing it, 
being transformed by it. Um, and then in verse 8 of our passage today, it says they stumble because they do not listen to God's word or obey it. Another reason people in our culture um, look down upon Christians is because we are so weak. We're so not in the word. We based so many pastors are picked for church leadership because they're administrators or because they're charismatic speakers or they're, they're, they're energetic and creative individuals not because they're in the word of God and then we have leaders that fall and they stumble and they stumble because they're not breathing and living God's word and then it becomes another thing for us to be defined by. Um, oh, you're you're like that guy in Colorado that, that fell. Oh, you're like Jim and Tammy Baker. Oh, you're like Jimmy Swagger. Oh, you're like Jerry Falwell. Oh, you're like whatever. There's You can go, go on and on and on. When they should be looking at us and say, oh, you're like Christ. Um, so the first thing is to be in the Word. Some ways that we can do that as a church. In the fall, in September, we're starting back house churches. Aaron's going to be asking some people to do house churches. We're going to have um, two or three at least. Um, And first of all, if he comes to you, seriously pray about that because you're going to grow in the Word if you're leading a house church. Um, Secondly, when we get house churches, find a house church and commit to it. And grow as a body of believers sitting around and talking and speaking and studying God's word together, getting the inside of your of your of your other um, believers in the church. Um, secondly, worship notes. You know, when, when when during the sermons, bring something, write it down, go back home, pray through it, ask the Lord to speak to you through it over over what you've done. Um, so this is something we did, uh, talked about at House Church last year, but but it's a little journaling technique, scripture. Observation, application, prayer. And you just write your scripture down, then you observe what it's saying, then how does it apply to your life, and then you, and then you write down a prayer. Um, and uh, EBC, Eternity Bible College, this fall we're going to be offering through Eternity Bible College a free class, a free online class um, called Discipleship Counseling, and, and it's basically on growing your inner faith. It's the core of spiritual uh, spiritual transformation class. Um, how to grow as a Christian. I've looked at some of the books. One of the books is a great book I read in seminary that I'm excited about called "When God Is When uh, People Are Big and God Is Small," um, and it's it's on putting Jesus and God first in your life. But a free college class that we you can take online in the in the in, in the in the privacy of your own home, but also we can come together and talk about and grow through taking it together. Um, also, growth resources. More and more on the website, we're going to be putting some growth resources. We're going to be putting book recommendations. We're going to be putting uh, study study guides that, that that go along with different things. You know, we might put the soap idea on there. You know, how to how to journal. Just things that we run across that we think would be helpful and beneficial for you to grow in the Word of God. Um, but before anything else, you've just got to make a commitment. I'm going to go for it. I'm not just going to say we're going to change the way people see Christ Christians in church and show up here and let Aaron do all the work. 
I'm going to be an active, vibrant part, and it's going to start with changing my relationship and how I deal with God's Word. And you're going to pray that the Holy Spirit gives you a hunger for it. Not that you see, you know, uh, uh, an attorney Bible college class is one more thing to do, but it's one more thing you can do to grow in Jesus. Not that you see um, uh, house church as one more place to be, but it's one more place you want to be for the fellowship of your uh, of your brothers and sisters in Christ and for God's Word. Um, uh, you know, that you're on my case about putting more stuff on the website so you can grow more. Um, that's, my, that's my job. That's my calling here. It's, it's spiritual transformation, spiritual formation, helping you grow in Christ. That's what I'm here for. So, um, so uh, just, just let's get serious about that. Secondly, stay connected to Christ. To be in union with Jesus. To be in union with Jesus. Um, Peter is challenging us to know who we are in Christ. Um, again, so often the reason we become hostile in a high pressure situation within our culture is because we are so insecure in our own relationship with Jesus. For multiple reasons. Hidden sin, unconfessed sin, um, churches that that function in a mask wearing mentality by that I mean you can't be real you can't be real about your sin about your frustrations about your struggles um, one of the ways that we can change the way people see Christ Christians in church is that as a body of believers we are so in union with Jesus that we can drop our masks we don't have to be phony. We can talk about when we're dealing with depression, or we can talk about when we're dealing with doubts, or we can talk about when we're dealing with temptations. And we can come around each other as a body and love each other through that and speak life to each other through that. Um, we can share our own past struggles with each other because we're so solid in our relationship with Jesus that it doesn't matter what others think. Right? And uh, what you've done in the past or whatever. Um, verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. Um, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus looks at Peter and says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Even Peter even means the rock. And here Peter says, you are a stone. You are, um, your place is in God's building. I, uh, you know, there's, there's all kinds of interpretations that you can go to with this verse. But I believe what Jesus was saying to Peter wasn't that Peter was the first pope or Peter was the stone that the rest of the church was going to be built on. I think that he was speaking of Peter's faith, of Peter's union with Christ, someone that loves Christ. Now, was Peter perfect? Was he? No. Did Peter fall? Did Peter's faith get weak at times? 
Did Peter even betray Christ? That's not what he's talking about, but he's talking about Peter was so tight with Jesus, he so loved Jesus, that on a visceral, emotional, faith level, Peter was all in. Now, his humanness is going to bubble up at times. That's going to get rocky. But Peter was tight with Jesus. Peter loved Jesus. And here he says that we're all individual stones building the body of Christ, building the temple of Christ. So this is the thing. This is why it's important when we come in here that we're able to be real with each other, that we're able to have coffee and, 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 and share with each other, that we're able to be tight with Jesus is because as the body we come together and we build we build Christ. We build Christ for this culture. When people say, what are they doing over there at that, that family's house on Sunday morning? They see us so in love with Jesus. They see so much joy. They see so much passion. They see so much concern for each other. When one of us falls and a co-worker sees that your church comes around you and loves you, or it's another student, that's going to stand out. It stands in direct opposition of what of what the culture's told us. We are a holy priesthood. Um, you know, we had a thing called the Reformation in the 1400s. And one of the big things of the Reformation was the priesthood of all believers. And Peter says right here, you are a priesthood. For too long, this is another way we can change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church. For too long, the church has seen the pastor's role as to be the spiritual guy. And the rest of the church goes out and is normal, quote unquote, and comes back and they get their feeding for a week so they can go out and be normal and get through the week again. That is unbiblical and it's heresy. You are a priest. You are God's chosen. You are God's shepherd and pastor when you go to your workplace. Aaron's role, my role, is to equip you, to build you up, to strengthen you so you can do that. But when you go to the hookah shop, when you go to John Deere, when you go to the accounting firm, when you go to the doctor's office, when you go to the school, you are a pastor to those students in a spiritual sense. You're a pastor to those, those people that are ill and sick to minister the mercy and the love of Christ. You're a pastor to those farmers. You are to be an ambassador, someone who tra transforms and speaks life into them. Um, you're to be a pastor to those businesses and those business people and those people who are worried about their taxes. Um, you're to be a royal priesthood that goes out of here and ministers to greed. That's how we will change greedy. Um, you know, doing it the old way of giving a lot of money uh, and, and, and telling Aaron, okay, go do it, Aaron. That ain't going to get it. That's not going to change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church. He's one man. But to see us all as ministers, all as stones, all as parts of Christ's body, vital parts and needed parts, that's, that's how we're going to do it. Um, Peter also says uh, in verse 5, 
offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Again, this verse can go a number of different ways, and I think he's talking about a number of different things. But one of the ways, if you look at it into the overall context of the story of Scripture, is I believe that he's talking about relationships. He's talking about relationships in our lives with each other. He's talking about relationships in our worship, relationships in our prayer, in our service of others. All ministry, all mercy, all compassion, a sacrifice. What is our relationship to Greeley? If we really want to change the way people see Christ, Christmas, and church, what is our relationship with each other? Do people see that we are different than the culture here? Do people see that Church Project Greeley is different than um, other churches? Uh, churches that have fallen into a ritual pattern. Churches that have fallen into a mask-wearing pattern. Churches that have fallen into um, a religious spirit. Do they come in here and they, do they see the body of Christ through the relationships we have with each other, through our union with Jesus, and through the relationship we have with our community? Um, and then uh, experiencing the difference, making difference requires you to stay connected to Christ. It says you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Do you see yourself as a chosen person? Do you see yourself as a light bearer? in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your gym. Um, Stay connected to Christ. How do we do that? Um, We need to grab on to, I think one of the biggest weaknesses within the Western church is that we have a Western uh, Greek philosophical platonic idea of what it means to be spiritual. And we've convinced ourselves that if we want to get closer in union with Jesus, we've got to know more. So the more I know intellectually, the better I can be spiritually. I will tell you this, I don't know, David probably won't back me up on this because he's probably different, built different than me. But the time I was in seminary, I knew more than I've ever known in my whole life. And it was the most spiritually dead time of my life. So if that scenario of knowing more equals more union with Christ is right, why wasn't I closer to Jesus while I was in seminary? I knew more because I wasn't spending time with Jesus. I was spending time with knowing. Um, We've got to learn that there's a spirituality, there's a spiritual side to our walk with Jesus too. There's there's, There's a mystery, a mysterious side of our relationship with Jesus. And um, and so union means quiet time. It means putting away all the all the stuff that crowds in for our for our knowledge, that crowds in for our time, that crowds in for our mind, for our spirit, for our soul. Quiet time. Yeah, um, repeatedly in scripture we're told to be quiet. Repeatedly, Jesus gives us an example of getting away and being by yourself, you and Jesus. Um, our souls spiritually are longing for connection and union with, with God. 
but all this stuff is banging in to take it away. Um, make a priority out of quiet time, union, relationship with him and relationship with the body. Um, so changing the way people see Christians, relationships. Um, changing the way people see the church, our relationships. Bridging and one, a very practical thing, starting off at, at, at um, Church Project Greeley, we make a commitment that we are going to bridge and model um, generational unity. One of the biggest things in our culture today is generational divisions. And we're naturally drawn to people that are the same as us. But I want to tell you, because you're naturally drawn to people that are the same as you, does not mean that is the healthiest thing and the best thing for you to grow. We grow most through connections with people that are different than us. We grow most in connections with people that challenge us to grow, challenge us to reconsider our presuppositions, challenge us to rethink some of the things of, of our generation or, or, or that. Um, so one of the things is make a commitment that we're going to bridge the gap and be a model to this community of, 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 of a response to generational division. Um, bridging and being a model of, 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 of a response to gender division. Um, that we're going to show as husbands that we hold our wives in high value. And it's obvious by the way we treat them that we hold the ladies in our in our body in high value. Women, uh, one of the things in our culture today that it's very big, and I, you, you turn on almost any sitcom, any television show, men are portrayed as buffoons. Men are portrayed as people who can't control their sexual desires. They're portrayed as men who are grown-up little boys. I challenge our ladies to push our men to be men of God. To expect them to be strong. To expect them to be men, not boys. And to treat them with the respect that that entails. Um, also, race division. Um, that, that there's no color at Church Project Greeley. That there's only the color red covered by the blood of Jesus. That's what we see. We don't see, we don't see Hispanics, we don't see Asians, we don't see um, uh, African Americans, that we see Jesus when we look on the body of Christ. Um, socioeconomic divisions. Um, you know, whether you are dirt poor or whether you are filthy rich, we all come here and everything's level at the foot of the cross. And that's how we look upon each other. Um, so first, get into the word of God. Second is build your union with Christ. And then third is be a stranger to danger. And uh, yes, it rhymes and it's cutesy. But basically what it means is it means to be holy, to flee from sin. Um, verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from simple desires which war against your soul. Again, in the Western church, we've, we've come to view sin as something we do. 
When in Scripture, guess what? Sin is not something we do. Sin is something that we... Anybody know? It's something that we are. It's something that we are. And so when we read this verse, our immediate, because of our culture and the way our mind's been programmed, we immediately go to, our presupposition is, oh, well, I need to stop doing this, right? I need to stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this, stay away from that. That's what we think. But I want you to read this very carefully again. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful... What's the next word? Our actions? Does it say just abstain from sinful actions? Is that what it says? What does it say? Desires. To abstain from sinful desires. Once again, Scripture is insisting that we go inward. That we go inside our heart, inside our soul, inside our spirit. What does it say that sinful desires will do to our soul? What does it say they're doing to our soul? They're warring against our soul. So again, in our doom mentality, we think, okay, I've got to stay away from simple desires. Um, and, and we think of it as something that we have to abstain from doing. I want to tell you this third point that Peter's coming into. I believe in context is a direct flow out of the first two. My experience in my personal walk with Christ and in counseling others is that when I am in God's Word, when I crave it, when I hunger for it, when I am transformed by it, when it is a part of who I am, and when I know who I am in Jesus, and I am in union with Jesus, and I am in love with Jesus, and I am a part of His body, guess what happens to the sinful desires? They diminish. They diminish. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to go away. But they diminish. But what happens when you allow sinful desires to churn within your being? What are you focused on? Yourself, on the sin, on, on, on the desires, aren't you? You're not focused on Christ. It comes to pride. It comes to selfishness. Um, you're focused on those desires. You're thinking about those desires. Even when you're thinking about how to defeat those desires, you're still thinking about those desires. And that's what Peter means by their warring at your soul. They will suck you dry. Has anybody been down that road trying to defeat sin? Trying to what happens? Does it suck you dry? Yeah, it'll just it'll just deplenish you. And the answer is to focus on union with Christ, to focus on God's Word. Um, Peter says in verse 12, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Though they accuse you of wrong. Um, Chick-fil-A has been in the news this week, hasn't it? Anybody seen the news about Chick-fil-A? Uh, apparently the, the president of Chick-fil-A, Dan Cathy, um, 
spoke to his church newspaper. He did, wasn't even speaking to a secular newspaper. He was speaking to his church newspaper, and they asked him what he viewed about, what were his views about marriage. And he said, we believe marriage is between a woman and a man. We stand guilty if accused. In our culture, that's been painted as hate. Um, been painted as anti-gay. That, that he hates gay people. Um, I know, I've met Truett and Dan Cathy. I know the work they do in the state of Georgia. I know the multiple foster homes that they funded. I know the youth camp. My sons went to their youth camp that they fund every year that single parent children go to free. Um, I know the I know students that have had scholarships to college through them. I know multiple things. They are not haters. They're lovers. But they've spoken a truth that they believe is in God's word and they've immediately been painted as haters. You know what I think? I actually believe this, and I may be naive, but I actually believe that all this hubbub about Chick-fil-A is going to go away because I think they have such an awesome reputation as good loving people that it's not going to stick I don't think the hate labels going to stick now is it, is it going to stick with extreme people over here yes but he didn't say that he in fact he came out and he said we, we treat all our customers with respect and dignity and all our employees no matter their race their gender their sexual orientation they are instructed to treat our employees with love and dignity this is what I believe. You can't argue with grace. We live in such a graceless society. We live in such an unmerciful society. We live in such a selfish, self-centered society that when true love is present, it's, it's going to speak light. It's going to change the way people see Christians. Um, and when you speak with dignity and stand firm, and you allow the darts and the arrows and the stones to come, but you still love, you still minister light into darkness, you keep your union with Christ, you speak the truth of His Word with, with, with care and concern, I believe it wins out in the end. And I believe that because I believe that's what God's Word teaches. So if we're going to change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church, it's going to have nothing to do with the type of music we have. It's going to have nothing to do with whether we meet in a home, in a warehouse, in a church, in a front yard. It's going to have nothing to do with whether with what kind of programs we have or what our service it's going to have to do with you guys are you committed to his word do you understand your union with him are you committed to maintaining that relationship do you understand the importance of our relationships with each other and are you committed to that that's what's going to build the body of Christ that's what's going to build church project Greeley and that's what's going to change the way people see Christ, the way people see Christians, and the way people see church. Let's pray.